Guys, before we get to the episode, wanted to let you know real quick that if you'd like to support our show financially, you can do so for as little as $1 per episode by going to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. You can sign up. It takes less than two minutes, and we really appreciate it. Also, Johnny, what else is going on? A huge PSA. If you want to watch along with us for the episode next week, we are going to see Alita Battle Angel. Battle Angel. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be James Camerony, and it's going to be action-packed, and we're going to talk about it next week and drink some beers. So if you want to be a part of that fun, go see it so you can not be spoiled and exactly. listen along with us. Enjoy the episode, everybody. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome once again. This is Fresh Hop Cinema. We're a craft beer movie podcast based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. My name is Johnny Summers. And if you don't follow us on all the social medias, you should do it. We're going to say it once. We're going to say it now. Sure. We're available on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Fresh Hop Cinema. You can also email us at fhccast at gmail.com. If you're a beer person, you can be friends with us on Untapped. If you are a movie person, you can... Uh, do that on uh, Letterboxd. And if you're both of those people and you really like our show, you can support us for as little as $1 per episode on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. Yeah, that's it, it, man. That's all the stuff. This is episode 112. And if you've never heard our show before, we cover one movie, two craft beers every single week of our lives. And uh, we're very excited for this week. I am excited particularly for the beer. Um, It's also Oscar season, and we're talking about some extra movies. There's one, uh, I guess this actually doesn't apply. Oscars, but no, it's a movie you, that could have been nominated, and I thought at, when it first came out, I thought it might be. You are saying things that are facts, though. It is movie. Yeah. It is Oscar season. It's true. And we did watch movies. Yes. So technically, uh, you're not wrong. Thank you so much for that. Um, we will... Uh, oh, I guess the uh, the one thing that we should always say is that we're we're not going to spoil our, our film of the week until much later in the show. That said, we're not doing a current movie. We're doing a movie we missed earlier in 2018 called Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, which, looking at my note sheet, I have spelled incorrectly. Sweet. I wrote Roy. Roy. Actually, I guess if you did try to pronounce it, you still might say Royale, but I spelled it wrong. El Royale. Yeah. The point is, uh, if you haven't seen that, uh, don't worry about spoilers. We'll give you plenty of heads up before we spoil anything from that movie, at least anything major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the meantime, Johnny's going to make a sound. And that sound is the first bit of nectar we're going to drink on this rainy day in Chico. And Johnny picked it out. That's right. And I want to know what it is, my friend. It is Hermitage Brewing Company's single hop series, Citra version. Yeah. Yeah. Can I read to you a bit? I'd love that so much. So, this beer, from the can, says, Tropical hop notes with citrus and a touch of pine. Dry finish and a malty backbone. This is a moderately full-bodied beer with a bright carbonation and a dry finish. Hermitage is not a mainstream brewery. We don't copy. We create Brewmaster Peter and our brewery create uh, crew are obsessive about our quality and passionately focus on brewing beers that are flavorful, rich in character, aroma-driven, and unique. And they are located here in California, not too far south from here, in mm. San Jose. You mentioned that they have recently gotten distribution. Uh, uh, they've had distribution, um, recently started canning. Oh, that's what you said. My mistake. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, they. I checked out the website before we got going, um, and they have a bunch of these single hop 
variations. They do obviously the Citra that we're drinking. I saw a Mosaic and Nelson Salvin, uh, an Idaho Seven. They have a whole series, and I, I've never had their beers before, so I'm very excited. I'm wondering if you've had any of their beers up to this point. I've had a few. They're actually really good. What I've had, I've had a few of the single hop series, and uh, I've also had a couple of their sours. They had like a pumpernickel rye sour, Weird. I believe. It was right. really good. They had it, I think it B Street for a while. Yeah, sure. A little bar um, here in town. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is uh, a little a little curvature on the path. We've been drinking a lot of New England IPAs lately. Uh, this is not that. Just looking at it, I can tell it's not. Um, and it's, it's a super kind of ambery orange color. Lots of bubbles going on. Um, and it smells super malty. I haven't tasted it yet, but I'm expecting... At least a pretty heavy citrusy feeling to go off that citrus hop, citra hop. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Do you get that when you drink it? A little bit, yeah. I uh, I do. I, also, I don't want a little bit. I want a lot. Well, is it there or is it not? There's a lot of hops in this beer. Okay. This is a kick in the mouth. I love it. This is got that punchy, punchy, bitter hops. Very, very, very punchy. Like, hello, hops. Finishes, like, super bitter and dry. Like, this is a hardcore... Like traditional IPA. All right, this beer's not for me. I'm gonna say that. I agree with what you're saying for the most part. I get a little bit more maltiness. Yeah. A lot of the citrus kind of qualities come on the back end, but there's also like a soapiness that I'm picking out that's not necessarily a taste that I enjoy. Maybe that's a flashback to my childhood when I would talk back and I just don't like soap in my mouth you're anymore. Sassy. Yeah, you know, but the, you know, this is maybe not a bad beer, just not something that jumps out to me. Some people like soap. Boom. Roasted. I don't <laughs> wow. know. I'm coming out swinging a little bit That's too hard. That's aggressive. Um, if you like soap, drink this beer. No, I don't know. Do, uh, do you get that at all? Not really. I yeah. get just a ton of the the bittering hops right up front that really uh, carry throughout. This is a beer that's crafted around hops, and they really carry the majority of the workload for the flavor profile. Yeah, I'm still trying to learn to distinguish between hop profile and malt profile. And I think I'm kind of mixing them up here because I feel like I'm tasting malt, but maybe it is just really aggressive hoppiness. A uh, short answer here is that hops are going to be hoppy. All right. <laughs> and malt is going to be malty. Well, I'm tasting maltiness. Uh, what What are you tasting that you define as maltiness? It's um, it's sort of like a bready, um, B-R-E-A-D, bready, um, like heaviness and almost like a like a thick viscosity kind of feel to it. Okay. That I attribute to to malty beers, I guess. Um I don't know. I'm looking for a canning date on this right now. And I, I don't did see a one. lot and I didn't find one, but okay. I was told that they came in relatively recently. All right. So looking at you, Spikes Bottle Shop. Yeah, right. I we should mention that too. You got this at Spikes. It cost like five bucks. Kind of just did. Yeah. Yeah. Five dollar, so, make you holler, sixteen ounces all day long. Yeah. Um, it's fine. Yeah. To me, yeah. It's, I like it. It's uh, nice and bitter. Yeah, as I'm drinking it more, I'm losing some of what I thought was soapiness, and it is just more of an aggressive kind of, uh, I guess, hoppiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that it's a great, great example of a citra hop-focused beer. I don't think this is a great beer overall. Yeah, okay. I think it's accomplishing what it's going for. Uh, it almost tastes a little old. You get yeah. with aged beers like this, fresh I wouldn't be getting what I think I'm getting is like a taste of a kind of a wet cardboard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sure. Which is one of like the first flavors you get when a beer is a little bit on the older side, especially with hops. So I don't know. This could be a little bit old, or it could just be uh, that flavor is in in the hops and the malt profile. That it's it's just it is. There's something off with it. Okay, it's so I'm not, not crazy. No, I mean it's definitely like nice and bitter. Like it's super drinkable, but it is. Uh, 
it's like a single hop West Coast IPA that's maybe getting towards the end of its life. Yeah. Uh, fair to assume, in case people don't know, um, shelf life for West Coast and East Coast is about the same, around six months at the most before you start getting those falling off flavors. Yeah, at the most. You obviously want to drink them as fresh as possible. Yeah. But I- ideally within a month or two. But yeah, six months. And even some some breweries put their thing their their beers at like 90 days, I think. Yeah, like, sure. So well, I don't want to brag, but I have a Pliny the Elder in my fridge right now. It's about a year and a half old. Oh, it's uh, it was Brian's, my friend Brian. You know Brian. People listening might know Brian. Uh, he, I don't know Brian. What's yeah, his last okay. name? Brian Massa. All right. Um, every time I say Brian, uh, Brian's name to Johnny, I say it's hey, Brian Massa. He's like, you don't have to say that anymore. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. You don't have to explain the joke. It makes it less funny. Uh, but he keeps. Uh, that's probably true. I won't do that again. Just explain the punchline. Um, he kept. See, it's keeps, funny because airline food is okay. bad because it's gross. Nobody wants that food. <laughs> Uh, kept a fridge full of uh, beers and then some intentionally let them get old. And then we dug through it and then we found that gem. Haven't drank it yet. You know, maybe get it aged to about two years and see what Pliny's like two years old. Gross. Yes. It's going to be gross. Probably. Uh, I would say let me be there for that, but I don't want to. Okay. <laughs> then I will invite you. Besides, I don't know this Brian guy. Sure. Who I'm, is this like, guy? Like, I'm good on friends. Like, sure. I have enough. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rate this uh, single hop citra from Hermitage. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give it a four. That seems generous. That's, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would drink. I'm going to drink this. Like, I think below a three starts getting unpleasant. Yeah. Like unpleasant to the point of like, I don't want to sip this anymore. This is fine. It's uh it's on the lower end of fine on my scale. Yeah. But it's still fine. You need to like write out your know, scale. Of, the scale of fine. <laughs> the fineness scale. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, were you saying it seems generous for what I was saying? Or you think generous in general, which means you're going to go lower. I was thinking it was generous based on your initial opinion, That's like fair. what I would assume that your level of enjoyment was. You know, this beer is really unmemorable. Yeah. This is a beer that I would never reach for again. It is possibly old, so I'm going to leave it with uh, an asterisk as maybe this beer isn't being consumed under ideal conditions. Uh, but for what we've been presented, I am going to give it a flat three. Okay. Like, I really honestly am not. There's a lot of better beers I could buy for five bucks. Yeah, it's true. Which is crazy. Five bucks is a lot, I guess, when you yeah. think about it for for a not awesome yeah. beer. Pretty much most of the door uh, beers in the singles door at mm-hmm. any of your liquor stores that you're going to go to are within three ninety nine to six ninety nine. There's some two ninety nines. And there's some two ninety nines, but those are going to be like 12-ounce cans. That's true. So, like, for a 16-ounce, four bucks is about median average, yeah. probably, for, like, a single hop thing. And I think, honestly, you I could have done better. So, unless it's old, it's not that impressive. I mean, yeah, it tastes a little bit like wet cardboard, but it's also super hoppy up front. And if you're just really into this brewery, maybe try it. But if you're not, skip it. Yeah, that's seemed, my that hot sounds, take. Sounds right to me as well. I hate to make this connection right now, but I had this idea, and it's probably been done. But if somebody made a hop scented hand soap, uh, that Sierra would be, Nevada I'd, I'd makes. Do they? I think. Shoot. Yep. yep. Uh, every good idea is already taken. Mm. But I would buy that. I mean, maybe I'll go buy some. They have This would be great as a soap. Nobody's made hop flavored popcorn salt. That sounds gross, though. Does it? I don't you don't want like a nice mm-mm. piney popcorn? No. <laughs> no. No, I do not. I'd try it. I'd at try least once. it. Popcorn's like one of my top five favorite foods. So of all the foods in the world, popcorn. Hundred yeah, percent. What else is up there? Other basic at you like hot dogs? Yep. Oh. <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's Those cool. are like really the two like basic Those bitch are, ones. Yeah, yeah, sure. But like the rest, I mean like I love a good steak, you know. Sure. 
various fish of the world. Of course. Like any version of fish I love. All right. I love fish. Uh, I'm trying to think of, I, I don't like any fish, so I'm trying to, I was trying to think of a gross one, but then I'm like, they're all gross to me. Yeah. So any I of them? Know. I've been on a huge poke kick. You go to those new places in town? Yeah. Yeah, we were going to, I wasn't going to go. Just not, I'm not sponsored or anything no. unless they want to. Sure. Uh, I'm fully endorsed Lemon Shark downtown. That's the one where Hasbeans used to be. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. Yeah, okay. It's real good. I'm never going to go. I don't like poke bowls or poke in general. I've tried it once. Not for me. Yeah. Well, but, if you don't like seafood, don't, I would assume that you wouldn't like the seafood. Sure. But uh, like poke, this beer is also not for me. That's fair. Bringing it back around. That's full right. circle. Popcorn uh, is though. Yeah. Hermitage, if you're listening, which obviously you are, we're very famous. Duh. Um, and you think we might have gotten a bad batch, please reach out to us. And if you'd like to give us a case of beer free, yeah. we'll drink it all and we'll, we'll give you your due diligence. When we'll, we, or we'll do our due diligence and give you your dues on next week's episode. We'll drink the whole case and still socks will say. That's true. And we'll try it out. You can buy us. Give us two cases, though, and we'll tell people it's good. That's right. Case okay. for each of us. Uh, yeah. Email me. I'll give you Max's home address. Deal. That's Done our, deal. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's our office address, but yeah. that doesn't help my case <laughs> at all. Um, okay. Moving right along. Again, that was Hermitage Single Hop uh, Series featuring the Citra Hop. I think that's a kind of a firm thumbs down from both of us. Mine's like a, like mine's if like no one can see me, but like, it's, it's like that. It's, it's kind of like, a, it's like, like almost all the way like, down. It's not down. It's, it's like a five it's, o'clock. It's thumb. flaccid. Yeah. It's just kind of just dangling there. It's fine though. Eh, it's fine. It's fine. We're moving along. Yeah. We're jumping into flick picks guys. We each have a movie that we've watched this week. That is not the movie of our episode, but we wanted to give it time anyways. That's right. You thought this podcast was only about one movie. <clears throat> not this week. Not any week going forward that's, or going backwards. That's true. It's about three movies. Yeah. It's so, about a boy. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go first. Um matter of fact, instead of talking about it first, I'm just gonna play the trailer. So that was the trailer for Leave No Trays. It came out earlier in 2018. I want to say summer. I'm not positive. I don't have the date in front of me. Um, but it had been on my radar for quite a while, um, starring Ben Foster uh, as Will. He's a he's an ex-Army fellow or military. It's not really specified. Um, and his daughter, who is played by, let me find her name, uh, Thomason McKenzie, uh, plays his 13-year-old daughter. And they're kind of living out in a forest. That's a person's name? Thomason McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Thomason. Yeah. It's kind of yes. cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think so too. Um, so I thought about ways to go about talking about this movie, but what I figured I would do is I, I got a little carried away with writing a review on Letterboxd, and if you want to read this or other reviews. Can I read it? Uh, sure. Can I read it? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to read it. Okay. And pretend to be Max. All right. This is uh, Holy Max Minardi's review. Shit, There's about three paragraphs. Oh my goodness. Um, take your time with it. I put a lot of thought into it, but this is my thoughts by Johnny on, <clears throat> uh, on Leave No Trace. Good luck. Hi, guys. I'm Max. I didn't say that in my review. That'd be a dumbass way to start a review. <laughs> Please stick to the script. All right. Leave No Trace 
Uh, he rated this three and a half stars out of five. Which we convert to our 10-point scale. It's actually going to be about a 7.5 for me. Spoiler All right. alert, I guess. All right. I am doing your movie review. Also, just skip to the part after the asterisk. That's when the review really starts. Okay. Okay. Ben Foster plays a military veteran named Will, plagued by PTSD. Somebody's trying to FaceTime you. I'm declining oh, that. Uh, I should have answered it and just kept reading. <laughs> Confused someone. All right. Plagued by PTSD who feels most at home living, some might say squatting, removed from society. Foster's quiet and thoughtful performance shines brighter than the sunlight, which occasionally Blake breaks through the Oregon forest mists in his and his daughter's camp, or that which glows fondly down on oozing beehives in a Washington commune. All right, I'm going to let you take over. That's that's a lot of words. Uh, this is the guy who's played both a Navy SEAL, by the way, uh, in Lone Survivor and a sociopathic outlaw in Hell or High Water, which Johnny, you'll remember from our first movie of the podcast ever. First episode ever. Right. Uh, rather than conjure iterations of these characters, though a sense of danger while interacting with people in the outside world is perfectly present, Foster adopts a nuanced and understated demeanor loaded with mistrust, uncertainty, and love. Perhaps paramount of these is his love for his teenage daughter, Tom, played by Thompson McKenzie. He is providing the safest and, by his measure, best life he can for his daughter, and that decision is felt in every hiding drill and icy step he puts her through. Cinematographer Michael McDonough builds an incredibly fulfilling world out of the forests of the West Coast, from beautiful close-ups of rainbow-tinged spiderwebs to sweeping overhead shots of the treetops. Not a single frame is wasted. Each shot is slow, thoughtful, and refuses to compromise its vision. The sound of the forest, coupled with a beautiful score by Dickon Hinchliffe, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, make for a sonically immersive experience as well. Dickon. You can almost feel the warmth of the sun or the cold of night setting in with the deep droning strings and raindrop-esque plucking elements on many of the tracks. The film allows its viewers to sit back and experience its moments in real time. Rather than relying on tired wartime flashbacks during fever dreams, we watch as Will deals with the machinations of the VA and see the repercussions of what's uh, more than hinted at as a flawed system, we are allowed to feel reunions and separations slowly and from a distance. When we see the beekeeper put her hands in the hive, we're allowed to feel scared because bees. Uh, And when Tom does the same thing later, we know exactly how her dad feels. We can feel Tom trying to reassure us that the warmth from the hive is safe and maybe even a good thing. We also feel why Will can never understand that. End scene. This sounds like an incredibly deep and uh, thought-provoking movie. It is, man. Um, it's 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 a slow burn for sure. Um, I think it runs about an hour forty-five, something like that. It's not too bad. No, but it's also gorgeous. Like there's these moments of really lush greenness because you're in a forest for like I, I don't know, like seventy percent of the movie. Um, and, and there's just these really like the, the the performance, particularly by Ben Foster, but also Thomas and uh, Mackenzie is is they're very subtle because they're they do a really good job of capturing this. Um, this personality of being apart from society. So they have all these little interesting interactions. They, they talk to each other sometimes through clicks, um, which is pretty neat. Um, mostly just telling each other that I would assume they love each other. It's like a kind of thing. Hmm. Um, I think they're calling squirrels when they do or that. that. That's well, that's probably what it was. How did I miss that? Obviously um, it's the squirrel call. Yeah. But, but I think the combination of the performances and, and just the beauty of this movie really make it worthwhile. Um, I, I will watch it again if given the opportunity. I'm not going to seek it out. It's not necessarily like a put on every day sort of movie, um, but it's definitely something I would recommend if you're a, a movie buff. Check out Leave No Trace. It was directed by Deborah Granick. It was uh, it was actually based on a novel called My Abandonment by Peter Rock, um, and it was adapted for the screen by Granick and Anne Rossellini, and they both worked on um, Winter's Bone. Nice back in. 
13? Something like that. Something like 11? I can't remember. Which is 2005? I don't know. Highly recommend that movie. Yeah, and I haven't seen that one, so. Put that on your list. It's on there now. Um, anyways, that's that's kind of my take on Leave No Trace. If you guys get a chance to check it out, uh, tweet at me personally or at the podcast, but definitely me at Max Minardi Music. Thank you. Yeah, I just have one question. Yeah. What is a movie that you would put on every day? Um, there's a lot of those actually. Well, then give me one that comes to mind. Lord of the Rings, there Fellowship of the Ring. There you go. All day. I want the first thing that. Sure, that was it. Cool. Yeah. The, f- Drive. the first one. Fellowship of the Ring, very first one. It's the best one. I agree. I mean, yeah. It is. It's it almost really indisputable. You know, I haven't seen Drive since the first time. Do you have that the yeah. hard copy? Can yeah. I borrow it? Sure. Also, I still need to give you a hard copy of Goonies back. Oh, you borrowed that? Yeah. I don't know that went. Yeah. Goonies and um, Whiplash. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Drive is very good too, though. I, I like I like a lot of those movies. Whiplash, I've grown to like less, but that's a different conversation. Which one? Whipla- Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah, dislike it more now, but it's still a good movie. All right, it's just not a music movie. Nice. Cool. Anyways, I'm gonna um, check out Leave No Trace. Yeah, please yeah. do. I guess it's my flick of the pick. Sure, you want a trailer? Flick of the pick. Flick of the pick. Give me a trailer for the 1977 horror classic Suspiria. So that was Suspiria, a very, 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 very great movie that I just watched for the first time. Uh, I'm going to read you a little bit about it. Released August 12th, 1977, it stars Jessica Harper as Susie, who travels to Germany to attend ballet school. When she arrives late on a stormy night, no one lets her in, and she sees Pat, played by Eva Aschen. I'm going to go with that. Uh, another student fleeing from the school. When Pat reaches her apartment, she is murdered. Spoiler. Jeez. Up, yeah. uh, the next day, Susie is admitted to her new school but has difficulty has a difficult time settling in. She hears noises and often feels ill. As more people die, Susie uncovers the terrifying secret history of the place. So real quick, if you're thinking, man, 77, I feel like I just heard about this movie. That's because there was a remake done uh, 2018. Uh, called Suspiria, also starring Dakota Johnson. It was directed by Luca Guadagnino, who did Call Me By Your Name, which is a pretty hard left turn right? Uh, in terms of movies, but neither of us have seen the new one. Unless you're a peach, then they're both horror Fair films. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, so we wanted to watch the old one. Johnny got a chance to watch it this week. I'll probably watch it uh, sometime next week. Yeah. This week, if you're hearing it now. Yeah. As the resident horror nerd, this sure. is kind of in my lane. Yeah. Many people refer to this as like a horror classic. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I haven't seen it, but I'd love to hear what you thought, John. Uh, those people are not wrong. Fair enough. This was immediately uh, one of the more important horror films that I've ever watched. It was truly a, a horror genre classic, and I saw the ripples and fingerprints of this film over, I could think of at least a dozen films that I've seen that were inspired in some way either aesthetically or visually or sonically by this movie so uh it's not incredibly strong plot wise but it makes up for that in just gorgeous cinematography um an amazing use of color and violence and imagery and symbolism this movie is just rich and luscious it's like 
drinking crushed velvet. I absolutely love this movie. Um, the the integration of the soundtrack, which we'll play a little bit of in a minute, uh, is so critical to the movie and the overall vibe. So we're gonna play a little bit of that for you. So that gives you kind of just a brief idea of the the overall vibe you're working with. It's creepy as hell. It's creepy as hell, and it plays at a very significant volume during dialogue, which I like. They didn't compromise the the sonic presence of the the underlying soundtrack to integrate dialogue. It's very, like, equalized at, like, the same level, which is cool because it's like... You're, it almost felt like they were talking over a song playing in the scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was really neat. But the 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 vibe of the music and the color of this, it really just helped create this uh, this super immense, like devastating overall atmosphere of like impending doom yeah, and dread. Sure. Just something about the music with the colors and the stark contrast of yeah. the blacks and the reds and the yeah. blues and greens. It was amazing, man. Um, the plot was yeah. not the driving force. Right. This was, uh, I would compare it to maybe like um, kind of being walked through a dream almost. Sure. Uh, where like the plot is often disconnected with itself and it's kind of propelled by imagery. Um, it's not really, it's cohesive in the loosest form of the word. It's not really a plot driven movie, it's definitely a visual movie that is just pushed forward by things happening yeah this is a pretty gory movie yeah like a stylistically gory movie stylistically yeah i mean it's as gory as you could get in 1977 which is why i'm super intrigued to see what the remake has to offer right right. uh but yeah i mean it was obviously super stylized and very like bright ketchup red blood you Mm. know it's like obviously fake but like there's one scene with a German shepherd ripping out someone's throat that is obviously a puppet right which is fun but you know I can ignore a lot of that and I can ignore the the dubbing issues where the voices are just kind of wonky uh, because I love the overall feeling of this movie. It felt important when I watched it because it was like I was watching the movie that inspired a lot of filmmakers and directors and, you know, whoever does the visual art of movies that I enjoy currently. So sure. very important movie to the horror genre, I think. Yeah, we should talk just a moment about color because I watched a couple of clips um, from this movie and it's very blaringly obvious. You said it came out in 77, um, which is about two decades after sort of the end of uh, traditional Technicolor films. Um, but this looked very similar, um, just like super bright and um, not so subtle um, color palettes. And like like you mentioned the red being blaring. It was like I saw a couple where uh, um, like she's getting in, she walks into like I think it was a hallway maybe like she's getting off a bus mm. or a plane or something. Um, and it was just like, hello, like the yeah. color throughout this movie is so intense. It's beautiful. Um, and I'd love to check it out just for that. Like I have a problem sometimes with, um, getting taken out of the moment when there are those like blaringly obvious, like puppets or whatever it is. Um, but I don't have a, a longstanding appreciation of the horror genre. Sure. So for me, it's like, that's, oh, that's not scary. It's clearly fake. Yeah. It's like modern movies. I'm like, that could be, I don't know. That yeah. looks real like, to me. Oh, that's sketchy. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's something, um, you think, uh, color and, sound design both equally important in this yes 100 yeah. the the music and the the sound 
Because it all, even like some of the changes in the lighting and stuff is seamlessly integrated with the 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 music the lighting yeah, and the music right. so they just weave this web hand in hand of just just a cacophony of experience right um like seriously i gave it a five and loved it on letterbox like this yeah. movie's a 10 yeah that's like great, it's man. legit one of the greatest horror films of all time and i feel really lucky uh that because of this show it was presented to me to watch yeah do you think it's fair to say that by next week's episode you'll have watched the modern the modern one the the what what the, that's the right the word is it yeah the remake i guess yeah the contemporary sure yeah the modern would be the one that was released last year yeah okay yeah, yeah. so do you think you'll have that maybe in the bag by next oh, week to follow up on because i'd love to hear the differences 100 percent. i might even try to watch both i know you brought me the hard copy of the old one mm-hmm. so i'll definitely watch that so i can weigh in on this maybe but i want to see the new one as well See, because I'm sure, man, I was gonna, it's going to scare me so much. <laughs> the new one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't do well. We should watch it together. All right. That'd, that'd be make, fun. Yeah, that'd be better. You have a movie night? Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Uh, anything else you want to say about Suspiria 1977? Uh, if you're a lover of film, I would say it's definitely a bit on the nerdy side if you're not like super deep in horror movies. So if, if you're a big film person, check this movie out. Uh, or if you just want to watch a classic uh, but if you're into horror movies at all, this is a very important movie to the genre that you enjoy, and you pretty much must watch it. Fair enough. Check out Suspiria. When we come back from this break, we are going to talk about a movie we missed in 2018 called Bad Times at the El Royale. If you have not seen it yet, we're not going to spoil it until our danger zone, which is not until the third segment. Um, but it's going to get it's going to get real juicy because I think we have similar but somewhat um, competing thoughts on this movie, and I I'm excited to get into it. Stick around. Hey, have you guys ever had food? I've had food and I've had beer and I really like both of them and I'd like to have them again. Uh, Is there somewhere that you like to have food, Max? Yeah, it's the Handlebar, my friend, right here in Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. And if you like food and beer, specifically beer, they have a happy hour seven days a week. I think you know the details. I do. It's every single day of the week from 2 to 6 p.m. You get $1 off all their draft beers. And that's a great deal because I love food and I love beer and I love saving money. That's right. It doesn't matter if it's a basic lager or a crazy barrel aged out. It's a dollar off again, seven days a week from two to six. That's four whole hours. You get a dollar off those draft beers. Again, that's the handlebar 2070 East 20th street, right here in Chico, California. Go check them out. Do it. Try the Serrano chicken sandwich. It's my favorite thing on the menu. It's a delicious sandwich.
<clears throat> the El Royale is a bi-state establishment that sits on the border between California and Nevada. Recently having lost its gambling license, the tourist trap isn't what it used to be and presently finds itself occupied by seven strangers, each with hidden reasons for staying at the infamous El Royale. Ooh. This is a 2018 film written and directed by Drew Goddard, who is most famous for his first feature film, Cabin in the Woods, in 2011, which I loved. Uh, did you just like that movie? It's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Point is, this is not Cabin in the Woods. I didn't like this movie as much, but we'll get into that probably. Bad Times at the El Royale yeah. stars a plethora of people, including Jeff Bridges, Cynthia Erivo, John Hamm, Dakota Johnson, Lewis Pullman, Chris Hemsworth, Kaylee Spaney, and somehow we both missed this, but Nick Offerman. I didn't miss it. You saw it when he was on screen? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Immediately when I saw him, I was like, is that Nick Offerman? Really? And then he was never in the movie again, and I'm like, no, nah, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, probably wasn't him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, this film was originally released on October 12th of 2018. It was built on a production budget of $32 million worldwide uh, in its about nine weeks. Uh, yeah, no, that's not correct. Three months-ish, 90 days, 90, I think it was 96 days. Um, in theaters, it made $31.8 million, so almost made up the difference it cost to make it. Um, and maybe we'll get into why we think it didn't make that money. Um, but this was a movie that, like I said earlier, Johnny and I both missed in 2018 and we were both very curious about it. So we figured we'd revisit it now since there was nothing in our local theaters yeah. um, that intrigued us to do for the show. So here we are. Yeah. You're welcome. We're doing this instead of cold pursuit. <laughs> Seriously. It was cold pursuit. Um, we could have tried to do Aquaman. Um, yeah. was there anything else? Uh, there's like a couple new movies, but. Oh, you know, this, this whole thing was brought about because I oh, wanted to yeah. see a movie that I up and thought it was a movie and then it was not that movie um yes oh right i thought that the prodigy was actually the movie brightburn yeah i just don't know what that is it's the dark origin story of a child superhero turning evil that's cool it looks really cool but <clears throat> prodigy was not that right yeah, I don't know what Prodigy was. I saw it, and you were like, yeah, it's not the right movie. Then we were going to see a movie um, by Peter Jackson, which is kind of working around in limited screenings, and that was in 3D, and that gives uh, Johnny headaches. Yeah. So we didn't see that either. I wasn't into it. So we ended up revisiting Bad Times, or visiting for the first time, I suppose. And here we are. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and shout out where we acquired yeah. this beautiful movie, as well as Suspiria and Leave No Trace. Agreed. We saw it at All the Best. We rented it at All the Best, rather. Um, saw it on a shelf, I yeah. guess. Then took it with permission and an exchange of money. <laughs> and, yeah. We, we, just, don't, we yeah, took it. They don't keep the movies in the cases, but whatever. Anyways, we rented this from All the Best. If you've ever heard the show before, I'm a big fan. Johnny's a fan. Uh, I'm, I'd say I'm a bigger fan. I go more often. They know me by name. So Agreed. Fight me, hey, everybody. Nobody called you by name. Call me by my name when you do. Nobody there. Likes. Listen, man, a couple of people know me by my name. And so, you, like, one guy that works there. No. At least at least five people know me by face. Oh, five people. There's like six people that okay, work by there. face. Sure. And like it's the point where like you walk in and like, hey, what's up, man? And they're like, hey, what's up? And it's like there's there's a there's a uh, uh uh what's the word? Uh you recognize each other. There's like an understanding. Like we hello. There, yeah. Hello there's, again. Um, a relationship? Yeah, almost. Um recognition? Recognition. That's the word I'm looking for. Yep. There you go. So we're getting off track. Yeah, long story short, we rented this as well as five other movies because you can get five movies for five for five. For four five. other movies. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, we rented five movies total. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Bad Times at the El Royale? Because this was something that you pushed for. 
heavily. Yeah, it definitely was because I thought, and I think we kind of agreed that we've been doing a lot of serious, heavy, deep, introspective type things lately. And it would be kind of a good break to do something basically a little bit more mindless. Sure. I'm pretty sure we achieved that. And I'm pretty sure we went a little too far. Yeah, (laughs) Um, this movie was entertaining, uh, in a popcorn and pet your cats kind of way. It is not something I will ever watch again, uh, or really reference or think about or talk about or really ever consider ever again. Yeah, I think that's that's really close. Yeah, uh, I'm going to read my considerably shorter letterbox review on this, and I think it sums up my feelings was, for the most part. Was it shorter than what I just said, or was it shorter? No, than, sorry, okay. shorter than my Leave No Trace review. Well, I wanted to know. Yeah, is it, st- is it still shorter than what I just said? Because uh, it looked about, pretty it's short. It's about the same. All right. Yeah. So I, I said it's fun for a distracted, like one time only flick. Yeah. Uh, there's a brilliant opening shot with Nick Offerman, who again I didn't realize, but that sets the rest of the movie up for failure, basically by starting with like a care and a patience that after five minutes in. It gives up completely. Um, it, it, it watches and sounds like a sloppy Tarantino knockoff to me. Yeah, it was like uh, it was. It was. It was like it was like a Mister Pib when you really want a Doctor Pepper. Yeah, it's like um, I don't know. Maybe we should go through a little bit of the plot here and, and then maybe get into our feelings. But <laughs> is there such thing as a little bit of the plot? So it's it's one of those like it feels like if this had come out in like 1993, everybody would be like, okay, this is this is basically Pulp Fiction, but yeah. It, not as good, obviously, sure. um, which is still kind of the vibe, um, but it's different. Like, there's a lot of non-linear storytelling and um, sort of like, especially towards the end, some pulpy kind of gore killing stuff that happens. And um, ba- basically, these these people meet up at a hotel, not to meet each other. They're all kind of there for different reasons. And um, the flashback that the movie starts with um, is Nick Offerman's character basically delivering this uh, suitcase and burying it under the floorboards of a room that we learn is at the, uh, the El Royale. Um, and then it cuts to 10 years later and like everybody starts showing up and um, we find out that uh, Jeff Bridges plays father, Daniel Flynn. He's a, he's a priest, I guess we'll say. Um, and then there's this singer gal played by Cynthia Revo, who's called Darlene Sweet. John Hamm is this vacuum salesman uh, named Laramie Seymour Sullivan. Um, the, guy who is nowhere to be found that is the only apparent employee of the hotel is miles miller uh, played by lewis pullman dakota johnson shows up she plays a gal named emily summerspring who's like drives a fast car and has no no time for no nonsense you just get out of here i got my own secret business we just said her name who dakota johnson did we suspiria sure the new one she's in that Boom. Yeah, that's why. I just made a connection. Yeah, yeah. Movie um, magic. Kaylee Spaney plays her little sister, which we find out. I'm going to say that, and that's fine. Um, Rose Summerspring. Kaylee Spaney we know from On the Basis of Sex. She was uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter. Nice. Fun fact. Good to know. Um, and then you also have Chris Hemsworth playing a Charles Manson-esque dude named Billy Lee. Yeah. And um, those are the characters. Yep. For the most part. And they all have different reasons for being where they are. Right. And, it, and like it descends into a violent... Just who done it? Yeah, like ridiculous. There's like so many plot points here that they try to wrap up into one movie. Also, I don't know if I said this. It runs two hours and twenty one minutes long. Simply too long. Simply too long. Simply too long. And if for some reason Goddard is paying homage to Tarantino, that's a wonderful point to add. It's like a very clever movie. Like, haha, see Tarantino. My movie's also a half an hour too long, just like The Hateful Eight was. Yeah, gotcha. The Hateful Eight was just not good. I didn't, I didn't like The Hateful Eight at all. It. Some people do. No, I, I get it. But, but I will uh, say the Hateful Eight was better, as, a, as a, um, uh, technically speaking, than this one. Sure. This one, I, I 
feel like couldn't figure out what it wanted to be for sure. Oh yeah. Um, there were some cool moments, some really cool shots. Like I said, that first shot was awesome. Yeah. But then there's nothing even close to that for the rest of the movie. So is there anything, let's, let's just do some, some pros and cons. And I think we're going to not rip this movie apart too much. Uh, right. it'd be more fun to do it in the danger zone. Sure. So let's, sure. let's keep the middle segment a little bit briefer. And oh, maybe just I'm so sorry. I forgot about one other uh, actor list, some things that we enjoyed that yes. actor could be on that list and maybe sure. a few things that were glaringly terrible sure. and then we'll, uh, rate it and go from there. So Max, give me some things you liked and give me that actor. The actor was Chris Hemsworth abs. Oh, yeah. You know, I really loved his performance in this movie. It oh was a standout. God. Was it? Yeah. I didn't like had the it best abs in the movie. That's well, that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm still on the joke. Yes, of course. They were great abs. Great, great acting. By the yeah, especially when they're uh, framed sure. by a field of flowers. What a weird scene that was. Oh, my goodness. We'll, we'll get into that, I suppose. <laughs> um, but things I actually did like about this. I, I always think Jeff Bridges is very um, convincing, I guess, as sort of a trustworthy fella. He's got yeah. that sort of charisma about him, yep. which is great casting. I mean, the casting in this is very good, even though these actors weren't given a lot to work with. Because um, immediately you're like, all right, who who should I trust? Probably nobody. And why? So like, that's your, this is a mystery. It's like, a, it's like you said, a whodunit. Like, mm-hmm. So I didn't particularly trust anybody, which I think was the point. But from, from I'm starting to go back into negatives. I was going to say, by the end, I, I learned I was right. I shouldn't trust anybody. But um, I thought, like you said, off record, and I don't mean to steal your point, but John Hamm was very good. Yes. Um, I, uh, I I like what happens with, with I like sort of his character arc. I'll just leave it there. Um, I think Dakota Johnson is pretty good in this. Um, I think a lot of the characters before the story gets too convoluted do a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's fun sort of establishing this, this place is like this weird, like purgatory sort of let's all meet up and hash out our sins kind of thing. Yeah. I think the, the premise of this movie is very good. I, my problems come second half kind of stuff. Yeah. I like the way the movie was set in the hotel. I thought that that was kind of neat. I wish we would have explored a little bit more of the hotel. That was one of my things. Like there was cool little lounges and other parts of it that I feel like we didn't really utilize very well. Um, I really, I liked John Hamm. I think he's great. I think if John Hamm and Jeff Bridges did a movie together, I would really like it because I like both those guys a lot. Uh, I think Nick Offerman should have been in the movie. Yeah, probably. Like I can't imagine why he took that role. But that's kind of an argument for me for any movie. Sure. Like, why wasn't Nick Offerman in this? Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> uh, you know, I really, there was just a lot of issues for me with the plot. It yeah. Was so it was bouncing back and forth like a volleyball. Didn't, a lot of it was just like, what? And it was, the problem is it tried to do so much mm-hmm. that you couldn't invest in any one particular subplot. It was an overdeveloped plot with underdeveloped characters. It was like seven overdeveloped yeah. plots. Mm-hmm. And it just, I see what they were trying to do, but they did too much and it did not translate. So uh, I liked the, the, the visuals in this movie. It was kind of an interesting color tone. It was pretty. Yeah. yeah it was, it was nice to look at. Um, there were good scenes and there were good moments, um, but as a whole, this movie was kind of flat for me. I agree. Yeah, I think I think the the strength in this movie is those kind of individual moments between characters, or mm-hmm. even like with um, with Cynthia Erivo's Darlene Sweet. Like, there's moments where she's singing, and that's basically what we're watching. And she's got a very nice voice. I think those scenes, especially through like the, I, mean, I won't even say that. I won't say that yet. But okay. some of that's a lot of fun. Yep. Um, and getting to know just little bits of characters' backstories was really fun. Yeah. But again, like, there's so much there. There's the, these seven people. And 
in that respect, this movie is way too short. This would be better fleshed out as like a TV series. Yeah. Like give me an episode on each person, then culminate with the final act. And like, yeah, this could be good as like a a Netflix original. Yeah. For sure. Series. Yeah. Not a shit. Exactly. Not a movie. Yeah. But uh, no, man, it was um, trying to, to follow along this plot felt like work. And I don't want to watch movies to to work and strain to like yeah. keep track of who did what and whose backstory is what. And it just it wasn't enough. Well, that's the thing about this movie. Like this is the this is a classic MacGuffin type movie. And for people that don't know, a MacGuffin is like a device used in film that gets gets basically the plot from point A to point B. In this case, at first, it's this duffel bag that's hidden. Right? It's like the motivation for certainly Jeff Bridges' character, and we don't know, maybe other people, we don't know who knows about this. Um, and then we learn about a reel of film, which also becomes a motivating factor. And then we get this this sister, played by Kaylee Spaney, who's essentially a MacGuffin also. Mm-hmm. Um, so the problem is, like, the plot isn't all over the place. There's, like, a ton of different plots, and I don't yeah. know which one matters, because to me, I would argue that almost by the end, a lot of them didn't. Yeah. And then what's the point? Why am I watching this? Exactly. The, that was one of my kind of bullet points was that um, stakes. Yes. Like uh, they were either super high or non-existent. Mm-hmm. And the gradient for the stakes was really just out the window. I would also argue that one of the highest, one of the potentially highest stake um, story arcs is is snubbed pretty early on. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought that was going to be something bigger. Yeah. It absolutely was not. And it went nowhere. No. But they put so much emphasis on it. And yeah. we should go to the danger zone so we can actually talk about what we're talking about. Yeah. So just one final warning. If you haven't seen Bad Times at the El Royale and you don't want it spoiled, go watch it. Uh, pause the show and then come back and, and come to the danger zone because we're going to spoil a bunch of things from that movie as well as talking about our second beer of the day. It's a, it's a very fun beer that Johnny brought. I've been told it's a little rare. Um, so look forward to that right after this break. After we rate the movie. Damn it. I, this is my fault. Yeah. I yeah. even made a point to write was, my rating down it's super like right, deliberately. Do you see where my eyes are going? It's like just missing <sighs> the corner of your paper. All right. You're right. I'm so sorry. Let's rate this movie, then we'll go to a break. Mr. I'm all about the format. Can't remember how we do our show. I, don't know why I always miss the rating the movie. I always forget it. You print the paper I know too. <laughs> Come on, man. All right. I rated this a three because of everything I just said, and it was just meh. That's uh, I'm going to translate it directly from my letterboxed uh, review, which means I have to give it a five, which now feels high. I'm going to give it a four. I'm like, well, that feels well, that feels about right. I'm going to give it a four and a half. You said right. three. I said four and a half. Because because ultimately this is like a fun thing to watch one time. If you're just trying to find a movie at home, on for me it wasn't even fun. It was too long. It wasn't fun. It was too hard to follow along. Yeah. I'm sorry, it wasn't fun. So no, I disagree. Yeah, I think that's our that's our difference in the points here. For me, it was like knowing what I was going into is like not a super heady film. Um, aside from being way too long, Gianna and I paused it at like an hour fifteen because she was like, "How much time is left?" I was like, "I'm sure it's not too much." It's like, "Oh, it's an entire hour more." I don't know where this plot could go. Uh, maybe we introduce some abs, and then we'll make the movie an hour mm-hmm. longer. <laughs> uh, but anyways, okay. Did I hit everything? Can we go to a break? I think we're there. Uh, welcome back to the Danger Zone after this break with spoilers, so guard your ears. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone is here. We're going to swear a lot. We're going to spoil the movie. <laughs> Real quick, um, we haven't explained this in a long time. We're singing. We're in the rain? Oh, Technically, do you hear my yes. throat? That was such a weird. It's like a bit. <laughs> well, it's getting fucking dangerous, guys. Singing in the rain. Um, Danger Zone was born um, out of necessity, number one. But I mostly am concerned with the the etymology of Danger Zone. What is that a reference to, Johnny? The song from Top Gun. It is. 
which is a Kenny Loggins song. Is that how it starts? Yeah, it sounds like you're doing the. No, it's like a like an organ. Like. Okay, sure, sure. So the danger zone is where we sometimes swear more and we spoil the movie. I quit. And here we are. <laughs> All right. Before we go any further, yes. huge fucking shout out to Nick Land. Sure. Because he texts us every time he watches a movie. And weirdly enough, it's every time we're actually recording. Yeah. So he's the coolest. We thought we had a ghost earlier. Maybe that was Nick. Maybe. Just like Maybe he was in. making toast. Sure. We thought we had a stroke in unison. When you smell burnt toast, you're supposed to be having a stroke. You're not supposed to be. That's what is, like, it's not like if you burn yeah. your toast, you're going to have a stroke. So yeah, either that, that or you're shitty at making toast. Yeah. Uh, anyways, give us a shout out for our Sisters Brothers episode where uh, one of the characters reminded us of a person he happened to know, and he just vindicated us quite a bit. Yeah. So, yes, so Nick. Shout out to him. Thank you. He's a super fan. You guys should be more like Nick. Yeah. I, shout out to all of our super fans, guys. We can't name you all, but thank you. Yep. Okay, before we get back to the movie, what are we drinking, dude? Yeah, 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 yeah. You said this is rare. Uh, it's rare-ish, definitely, okay. for sure. Uh, not much of this made it to Chico. We are drinking barrel-aged cocoa shake. Yeah. But that's not the whole name. The whole name's on top of the can. It's Beer Geek Cocoa Shake. It's also the barrel-aged version of that. It's a McKellar series they do called their Beer Geek series. Um, and this is uh, their variation of cocoa shake that is aged in bourbon barrels. Yeah, it's clocking in at 13%. Let's scoop this bad boy up at the New Earth Market here in town, and it clocked in at 12 doll hairs sure. for this delicious 16-ounce can. Hope it's good. Let's, let's find out. Let's be real. The reason you grabbed it is because the guy on the front is petting a cat. That's the reason I buy any beer. Fair enough. As if yeah. there's a guy on the front of it petting a cat. Yeah, just no matter what, you're getting mm-hmm. that. I know, I, I know that about you. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know. Are you a pretty, pretty big fan of this series? The Beer Geek series? Yeah, there's been some good ones. I like I've the had, vanilla shake. So I was going to say, I've had vanilla shake. And I think, is there a, is there like a breakfast? There's a brunch thing? and then dessert and yeah. then Beer Geek brunch. Yeah, Beer Geek breakfast is a thing. Okay. And then Beer Geek brunch. And then they did one that had coffee that a like tiger pooped out. No. Yeah, it's a thing. That's nasty. Yeah, man. It's the, that you know the coffee that I'm talking about. No. It's been like the beans get eaten by. I don't know this. Um, you should Google it. There's a, there's a McKellar beer that they make and it's a stout with coffee and it's, uh, I think it's brunch weasel. That sounds, I'm pretty sure it's called beer geek brunch weasel okay. and it's, um, made with coffee beans that have been consumed by a weasel and shat out. And then why they, is that so much worse than a tiger? Like it just sounds, I'd rather eat. Well, cause weasels are like, I'm yeah. weaselly, you yeah. know, and tigers are like badass, like yeah. Shere Khan. Sure. I'd eat some shit. God. <laughs> Damn it. The callback. Yeah, sure. Um, so anyways, they do some wild and crazy stuff. Luckily, nothing in this beer has been shot out by a forest creature. Yeah. So yeah, have you tried it yet? No, I haven't. I was going to say, so McKellar is one of those breweries for me that are always hit or miss. Like I, I've never really been uh, sort of lukewarm on a beer. It's always been like, this is really fun for McKellar. It's like, this is nasty. Um, so I know you're trying it first. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, this is exactly, in case anybody's curious, it's exactly what you think it would look like. It's jet black, super viscous, kind of oily on the head, very little carbonation by the looks of it. You just described my car. Fair enough. Um, what do you think of this taste, man? Upon first sippage, the spears are really good. It's intense. Yeah, man. You're getting like a ton of like cocoa puff, like just velvety chocolatey with like some barrel on the back, like it finishes hot. Like it's like, oh, there's some bourbon in there, but it's surprisingly sweet and chocolatey and velvety. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think you're right. There's there's definitely some heat on the back. I didn't taste it at first because it is really, really sweet. Um, I mean, we got to address the fact, like, again, like, this is a 16-ounce can, and it's 13%. This is a, an intense beer. It's going to be no matter what, no matter how Ooh, you spin it. That's hot. It's, it's very hot. I like it. How new is this? Do you know? This particular- Came out this year. Okay. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think this would benefit from, like, a year- aging okay. just to kind of cool off a little bit well, let's buy another one you know sure for science um as long as we don't break up deal yeah we'll just that'll sort of like a like a year lease on With our the relationship <laughs> yep um it's good it's not great in my opinion yeah i've only had one sip but i think it's going to be a little bit too um aggressive for me to really want to drink a lot of nah, i think you got to let it coat the palate a little bit more and just maybe let it Roll around, just Maybe. let it let it play with your tongue. Uh, yeah, I'll try. I'll try another sip, but it's it's definitely like you're saying, very chocolate forward, very boozy, super uncarbonated, um, and very. Um, uh, I guess viscous is the word. I'd love to know a synonym for viscous. Thick, I guess. Yeah, hearty. Yeah, hearty's not quite magnanimous. Right. Almost like like oily, but I don't mean in terms of like in terms of like greasiness or like. Um, Words are tough. Um, like it's not oily texture. It's oily, like like a thickness of an oil, which is, I know a viscosity measurement, but gloopy. Yeah. But that's implies chunkiness too. Gloppy. Like whatever. Maybe I think of a word. Globulous. Slick. I don't know. Uh, it reminds you of a baby seal that has been trapped in an oil spill. It does not. It didn't. Now it does. Like, a baby seal's fur soaked in oil. Are seals furry? Yeah, man. Baby seals are. All seals are furry. The they just look kinda... like that when they're wet. You ever seen a dry seal? Baby seals, yeah. No, look up like a dry adult seal. Man. Baby seals are they're, like fluffy. They're like white. They're fluffy, fluffy but, but they're adults still, aren't like that. No, but they still have fur. I think you're wrong. You don't think seals have fur? No, I think they have like skin. They have skin. No, you're incorrect. They have fur. How you, sure are you? I'm a hundred percent sure. Okay. Listeners, Google it, bro. I'm not going to Google it. Listeners Why not? We Google have it. the answers. We have listeners. Yeah. This is a great thing. Guys, if you think seals have fur, tweet us and tweet us a no, picture of a seal. I don't look it up because you're wrong. I don't want to look it up because I want to stick to this beer. All right. I don't know that I'm right, but I don't know that I'm wrong either. Well, it's like uh, oil soaked seal skin. Sure. Or fur. <laughs> I've heard they've had fur. Oh, you've heard? From you. Yeah. So whatever. The point is, I think this beer is okay. I'm going to take another sip now and, and kind of reevaluate. I like this beer. I think it's everything that the label says it is. I love how chocolate forward it is. Uh, a lot of times uh, I worried about this beer being uh, a little bit soy saucy just because it kind of has that smell. But, you know, when you drink it, it really translates into like a really, really rich chocolatey flavor. With, yeah, you know, I I think this beer really knocks it out of the park for what it's supposed to be. Yeah, I definitely don't get the soy sauce thing, which is a, a pretty big red flag in a lot of these more strong stouts. So I don't get that, which is lovely. Looking at you, evil twin. Yeah, I'm almost. Well, I don't know about that. Oh yeah, which one are you thinking of? All of them? Because we had that liquid double fudge, which did not. That's the one that I spilled on the old keyboard, whatever episode that was. No, it, it wasn't. You're incorrect, sir. Oh, you're right. They were doing the. Was it the Rogue? That was what the fudge. Oh, from the, Tool. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yes. Um, anyways, doesn't have the soy sauce, but does have like almost like a, like a honey sort of back mm -hmm. burner on it, you know, which with, is nice. A cool thing that some people notice and some people don't is that with these big barrel age stouts, when you combine the barrel with all the notes of a stout and you let it meld together, 
for me personally, on on some beers, I get an aftertaste of banana. Oh, interesting. Which I, I could see that. I really like. Like it leaves a taste in your mouth that tastes like a fresh banana. Yeah. Or almost like a really almost too ripe banana. Like, like a like squishy super one. Super sweet banana. Like it's time to make banana nut bread. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. That yeah, I could see that. Mm. I don't get it a ton on this one, but I could if you were like, I definitely taste it. I bet you I could find it in there. It's not crazy. It's there if you look for it, but uh some more so than others, like almost a banana and nuts, but this one mm-hmm. definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh this is this is just good. It's better than better than okay. This yeah. is good, not great for me. I'm gonna give it a seven five. Okay. It feels That's like a, a strong seven five. It's reasonable. It's it's you know, it is. It's a reasonable score. It's not outlandish, it's not insane. It didn't blow my socks off, but it's definitely I'm not gonna kick it out of bed for eating crackers, you know what I mean? Sure. Mine's a seven. All right. Yeah. <laughs> just real real oh, hot. I did that right that was mic. so loud yeah. right in the mic <laughs> yeah Oof. uh listen back to an episode when you were i think it was last week's maybe right before i uploaded it and like the coughing off the mic was really good except for once where it was like the worst cough i've ever heard a human being do it's just <laughs> really? like i felt bad for you listening back I was like gee are you okay <laughs> um well because when you have a cold sometimes it's like you can't help it it's like mid-sense you're just, you're just like, yeah yeah and you're just, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. not not a great thing being I'm, sick sucks i'm better now yeah um so this is Beer Geek Cocoa Shake, yeah. Barrel Aged Edition. That's a seven five for me, a seven for Max. I think we both enjoyed it, and yeah. this beer has a place. And honestly, it's kind of around right now. So, like, if you picked one up, I would sit on it for six months and pop it open. Yeah, that'd be my, my recommendation as well. Don't drink it right away. Yeah. Give it a chance to mellow out, or get two. I mean, they are twelve bucks. Maybe going with a friend. Uh, split it. It's a thirteen percent beer, so you. Probably don't want to do a pint of this to the dome, as yeah, they say on the street. If but it's the only beer you're having, that, that's fair. Yeah. Sip it over a couple hours with a nice movie. Yeah, which I feel like is a good transition into Hot and Bothered if you're ready to move on. Oh, my God. I did my first Pocock Challenge on CBE. Oh, really? Which is the Chico Beer Enthusiast Facebook group. It's a it's a big group of beer drinkers on Facebook. Um, and it occurred to me as I'm saying this, you haven't seen it. No. I'd like to show you. I had no idea. Yeah. So I got not, I can't remember by who it was last week. And, um, I don't remember who nominated me. So the too long didn't read is that, uh, the Pocock challenge is if someone challenges you, you have to video yourself chugging an entire beer has to be, there's stipulations. Yeah. It's like 10%, I think something high ABV and quasi rare, ideally seasonal, definitely seasonal something, but you really just have to chug a beer on camera and then make your friends do it. Yeah, so. it's the namesake of of actually a friend of the show, Miyagi. Uh, his last name is Pocock, and that's how it started. Um, friend of the show, Patreon member, sure, supporter, sure. lover. Yeah, sure. Definitely the latter. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I, I got to do that, and it had been after a night of um, – I played in Orville. At the um, exchange. At the exchange. Whoop, whoop. And then came back, had some in and out came home, had a couple of beers. It was like the first night of the week that I drank beer. I heard you had some Patreon love out there from Mr. Chris Gomez. Uh, yeah, Yes. Yes. At the exchange. Yeah. Chris and Alexis came out. It was Alexis's birthday. It was great. Um, came home, dropped, uh, well, stopped by in and out, dropped my drummer off. Rob, hello. Um, came back, had a couple of beers. And I was like, I remembered, Oh, somebody challenged me to this. And I was like, what do I have around? And I had a tweak from Avery, which is sweet, baby. 17% beer. And I was like, I can do this. And I did. Um, and then was very drunk when I went to bed, woke up pretty hungover. Oh yeah. And I'm not sure if that's my hot or bothered. I think it might be both. That's that, where I'm at. That one took you on a journey. Yeah. It was the whole thing. So my hot, I have two. One is the show Crashing. If you have HBO and you like to laugh and you're not watching the show Crashing, you are missing out. 
It stars comedian Pete Holmes, and they just uh, started season three a few weeks ago. So if you want to jump into a show and you have HBO and you've somehow missed it, you have two and a half seasons to catch up on. It's really good, and it's really funny. Deal. That's your first one? Yeah. Can I can I jump in? Because I remember I have one more. And it's 100% kind of only adjacent. Not. Absolutely. I think you would appreciate it. Sure, why not? I started Miss Maisel. Nice. Marvelous Miss Maisel, which you've told me and everybody's told me to for a very long time. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. I watched uh, uh, two episodes so far. I um, want to get a cat and name it Midge. Sure. It's very good. Because yeah, um, it'd be wrong to get a person. Yeah. And I just feel, sure. I feel uh, kind of lame that I'm so far behind the party here. It's fine. Uh, but it's a really, really promising show so far. And I'm very excited to keep watching it. It's you have great. Two seasons. So that's also yeah, an right. exciting thing. Yep, right. So Marvelous Ms. Maisel, definitely on Amazon. I think that's the only place. Word. Cool. So my 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 final hot comes from this year's Grammys, which would be surprising to most of you knowing what kind of music I listen to. Are you about to talk about Brandy Carlisle by chance? No. Okay. I'm not. Great. Uh, no, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite guitar players of all time, Matt Pike, the one of the founding members of the band Sleep that I've showcased on here before. Uh, released a record with his other band called High on Fire. Uh, and their album that came out last year won Best Metal Performance. Oh, wow. So like a band that I legit love and yeah. someone that I truly respect and admire in the music industry won a Grammy. The first, awesome. first Grammy ever. Uh, dude just lost like three toes to diabetes and is going to... toes? Like yeah, feet? he's like getting toes chopped off. Yikes. And then when he heals up, he's going on tour. And then he gets another toe cut off and then goes back on tour. Wow. He's a fucking animal. That's insane. Uh, and he went up there with a big air boot and a ca- a cane. Mm-hmm. Um, so huge shout out. Uh, I love them. If you don't yeah. listen to them and you like heavy music, check out High on Fire. Sure. They won a Grammy. So I guess I had a third one. You said High on Fire, which triggered my memory to to mention. I started the Fire documentary, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> which is uh, on Netflix. It's F-Y-R-E. It's about a music festival that this dude uh, tried to start up that was essentially just like one of the worst disasters in music festival history. See what? Two episodes ago I talked about yeah, that? Something yeah, something like that. So I that was on my list since you talked to me about it. And then we started watching it the other night. And I'm about halfway done. And it's really funny watching it in segments because it's like like every time you're like by the end, like I've been watching like 25 minute segments. It's like. Every time, I'm like, okay, this is terrible. It can't get worse. It's so cringy. And it gets worse and worse and worse. It's like watching a real life episode of The Office. And then, like, you get these testimonies from these kids who paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars a ticket. And the problem is, if once you realize that's how expensive the tickets were, you don't feel bad for this. Exactly. It's like, yeah, you're like, oh, good. fuck you, yeah, dude. Like, you didn't, you just, you don't necessarily deserve this, but like, you don't not deserve it. Like, yeah. if, if this could happen to anybody in the world, I'm glad it's you. Mm-hmm. So, Fire F Y R E on Netflix is uh, so far for me. Very rewarding. I like it. All right. That's, I think that's it for me. Good. I think I don't, I have any bothered really. Yeah. Good. I'm trying to think. Uh, You're yeah. not sick. Yeah. I'm not that's sick. Great. You don't have the sickness. So anymore. I'm unbothered. Yeah. By the common cold. Yeah. Okay. Um. Back to bad times. <sighs> I guess that feels let's, like a really appropriate segue. Right? Yeah. Like, let's get into bothered. Back to bad times. Oh yeah. Can that be my bothered for the week? Is like, yeah. Having to talk about this movie. Like if more? I were you, I'd feel really bad about having suggested this movie to the podcast. Me, on the other hand, I'm just like, sure, we can do it. So I don't feel any any responsibility. <laughs> so yeah, that can be your bother. Yeah, Max is free and clear. I still, but I wanted to see this. I'm glad I watched it. Again, I like it more than you, I guess, by the numbers. 4.5 for me, 3 for you. Um, but I am going to probably defecate all over this in the danger zone because there were some some pretty big problems I had. Yeah, there were. I don't like know they where killed John Ham. That like, actually didn't bother me. I thought that was a nice, I was like, all right. I like how he died. 
all the deaths in this movie were very abrupt. Yeah, but I feel like after the first one, I expected them. Yeah. You, Actually, no. After um, Cynthia Revo's character hits Jeff Bridges on the head with a bottle, I was basically like, okay, so that's going to happen more. And then that's why John Hamm didn't surprise me. Yeah. Like, it, that wasn't wasn't even a jump. It was like she was pointing a gun at him and then sh- shoots him. I was like, of course, she's yeah. going to shoot him. Um, so I actually think the uh, the, the um, suddenness of a lot of these kills were was sort of overused and kind of lost its effectiveness by the end. That's one of many ways that this movie played its cards too fast and too early. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so by the time you get the, the bellboy slash hotel manager slash bartender slash whatever miles, like at the very end when he's like, we get like this flashback of him in the Vietnam war. And then he's like super good with a gun. He kills all these bad guys. Like it's not really that effective. Suddenly sniper. Like it's and, and the whole reason like he, he's, because he's suffering, he's like laying on the ground. He's like, I can't kill any more people. I can't kill any more people. And the way he gets over that is uh, Darlene being like, "You don't have to." And he's like, "Well, fuck it. Now I'm gonna. I'm gonna kill all of them." Like, I don't. I don't know, man. Yeah. It was. And weird. like they worked in that he's a junkie. Oh yeah, but like that never really affected him. Prime example of like a movie doing PTSD poorly versus like Leave No Trace, very deftly done. Mm. This was like they just threw it in for a reason that I don't know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Another really good uh, MacGuffin comparison here, especially linking it to Pulp Fiction, is like we never find out who's on that reel of film. Never Just find like, out what's in the briefcase. Exactly. Though I'm pretty sure the insinuation is that it's the Pope having sex with somebody. No, I think you're wrong. What do you think it is? Personally, I thought it was JFK. Oh, really? You look at the time period it was around. It was, it was 69. Uh, uh, Hoover was yes. head of the FBI. Yep. Nixon was president. Uh-huh. And that's post JFK. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Yep. And the Pope probably wasn't dead. And so. probably not banging whores in <laughs> Reno. Uh, yeah, Tahoe. But yeah, whatever. Same, Same thing. Regional, yeah. you know. Uh, that's, I actually agree with you now. You are probably right. Mine sucks. No, it doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. Like, not, obviously not as much evidence. So you're probably right. It was probably the, uh, the old I was president. Just trying to put some ones and twos together because uh, John Hamm's character was like a spy. Yeah, he was like a CIA agent, maybe? Yeah, FBI, because he was calling oh, sure, the FBI that sure. was ran by Hoover. Yeah. Again, that was, if you were listening earlier, the point I was talking about, which would have been really interesting to pursue. Uh, I'd love to know how this all tied into this hotel. And like, maybe clearly maybe like the president had had sex with somebody there and they wanted to go in to find the tapes and whatever. Yeah. I'm assuming that's what John Hamm's character was after, but we don't really know. They were also wiring the room beforehand. Yeah. Like he had bugged the room and then there were like 15 more wiretaps in that room. Yeah. It was weird. I don't know. There was, yeah. So there was that. And then there was like, um, the Jeff Bridges being the the thief kind of thread. Then there was the cult stuff. Um, it was almost like, because Chris Hemsworth doesn't really show up. You don't even see him, even in that flashback on the beach, mm-hmm. until like an hour and a half in. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't actually show up on oh, screen until like two, uh, no, like an hour 45. So fucking long. It's like, I don't understand how it's got through the screening process. Like the dude, Goddard was like, here's, here's my first script. And they were like, it's perfect. He's like, no, no, sorry, I wasn't done. Like, I want to add one completely one-dimensional bad dude who's going to use like roulette to be his flip of the coin from no country for old men, except we're going to do it way worse. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, wait a minute, but then you're gonna have to set it up in advance. And he's like, okay, but I have the perfect way to do that. We'll have Dakota Johnson look in the mirror and be like, he's bad news. And that's all we're going to say about him. And then everybody's going to be scared of him when he walks on with his abs to the screen. And it's, it's it's a dumb reason to add a villain, I think. I think you're absolutely right. And I never bought him as the villain. I think he would have been a lot better in this movie as one of the players 
I you know characters in the in yeah. the. Yeah, I didn't buy. It. He's like so sexy and pretty. Like mm. I want to touch him. I don't want to be scared of him. Yeah, I like, guess for like that reason, like too, he's he's a good sort of cult leader figure because he's like you want to like him sort of thing. Yeah, but the thing with like good cult leaders is you, they're not usually that attractive. That's probably it's true. usually yeah. just like the charming personality. Like yeah. Like Chris Hemsworth could have a cult just by showing up. That's a good point. You yeah, know what I mean? And I'd be first I'd be in, in line. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, we'd all be there. Like I would bow to that Viking creature. Good grief. Yeah, I did. Like he's. I get it. I get why he had no shirt on. Like that's the appeal. It's yeah. Chris Hemsworth, and it's funny. But like this movie again, like doesn't know what it is necessarily because there's moments like when Miles does die. Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole like really heavy handedness of like forgiveness and and Jeff Bridges is like okay I know I'm not a priest but I'll pretend to be a priest again wait I won't okay I am yeah and I was so like tell me your sins child and it's like we're all supposed to be really invested now like I don't know stick to your fucking tone yeah it you know after he died and Jeff Bridges was all like I'm a fake priest yeah I'm like it was nice of him he was nice of him that's yes. what I literally what I said out loud I'm like oh that was nice that was of him nice yeah and that's all I'll ever think about that. You know, that's yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then like the movie ends with us finally getting to Darlene's gig, which in hindsight does not seem that important. Right. <laughs> like, I feel like that was a throwaway thing. Granted, she was singing a lot, but like, yeah, but the ending of the movie should have the most impact. Yeah. And it felt like a fucking throwaway. Like what? Yeah. It felt like it, like a Tarantino movie where like the, the character who you never expected would survive is like limping away from the scene of the shooting. Yeah. And it's like, I just don't, I feel like this director's, or whoever wrote this whole thing, like their favorite movie was uh, Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. And it just got fucked up in the translation. Yeah. Like, it was like somewhere between Reservoir Dogs meets Boogie Nights mm-hmm. meets Sin hate, City, Sin City yeah. meets Hateful Eight. Yeah. Like it wanted to be witty and it wanted to be so many things and it just fell short on literally all of them. Yeah. I texted you last night saying, I think it was last night, saying like, this is your kind of movie. Which by that I meant like everybody dies in the end, which I feel like when you see that personally, when you see it, like that's like a big draw. And I feel like maybe it's not till it sits in like it has now, like it's maybe wasn't an amazing movie. It's just like a cool shock value at first. Yeah. It's a great example of a movie where that's a pretty ineffective strategy. Well, and if you're going to kill off characters with that much um, ambition and that frequent frequently, um, I, I need to be a bit more invested in all of these characters. Yeah. Like, I did care when John Hamm died. Yes. Because at that point, I thought was that the, was going to be the story. He was the first one to die. N- yes. Yeah, he was, like huh? The first of the main... Yeah, yeah. No, he was the first one. I was thinking of Jeff Bridges getting hit in the head, but that, yeah. that was kind of like the first shock, but he didn't die. Yeah. Um, like, can I just say, I think it's unlikely, by the way, that Darlene saw uh, Father Flynn pouring a drug into her drink from over there. Yeah. I just, for sure, it was like, she's just hitting him to do mm-hmm. it. I don't know why she's doing it, but she's doing it. Makes sense. Um. I don't know, man. Yeah, there were too many different elements in this and strange to me. Jeff Bridges looks like old Hawkeye. Yeah, we have, uh, if you guys haven't seen photos of the new studio, because you don't follow us on whatever we are on. Instagram. Uh, we're we're in a, can I say the most uh, most improved version of the studio we've had? Yeah, it's the, the most refined iteration. Yeah, like you could come up here and you could sit during the podcast and you'd be comfortable because we have a couch now for this. Yeah, bro. And we have a, a fridge full of refreshments. And a sweet table. Yeah. With attached microphones because we profesh. Yeah, it's feeling feeling pretty good in here. Yeah. Uh can't remember why I said that right now. What did you say? I just said old man oh, Hawkeye. Right. So we have a, a series of comic books up on the uh the wall in sort of display formats, the old man Hawkeye series. And yes, he does. Jeff Bridges look just like that. What's your favorite recent Jeff Bridges movie? Did you ever see R. I. P. D. Mm-mm. 
with Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges where oh, they were like the oh, future right, cops. Right, right, right. No, I did not see that. Talk about like a fun throwaway. Sure. Dude, that movie was good. I think the last movie I saw him in was Hell or High Water. Okay. That's not right. I feel like we we just did him on a movie in here. What was it? Uh, I don't remember, but I swear we just did a movie. Was he in something else? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Huh. I'm going to look it up because I think I'll think of no, it. No, don't but... look it up. If you're not going to look up if seals have fucking fur, you can't look up past <laughs> episodes. No, that's just rude, dude. The point is, if I look up an episode, people don't have to see the picture. Like people are going to want to see a photo of a seal. And like they're not gonna be able to see us. So now at least if somebody well, sends it to us, we'll retweet it. If you were on your Twitter game, people would see it. Bro, I'm on my Twitter seal. game. Are you kidding well, me? Well then right post now? a picture of a furry fucking seal. Somebody else has to post it because I don't think they're furry. Mm. But you know, what do I know? I don't know. Not much about marine. How life. is this like our this is our biggest disagreement in <laughs> a long time? Uh whatever though. Are adult seals furry? They're not. Yeah, they are. I don't know if they, they are. only look that slick because they're like out the water and their their furs all shoo. Like I one can't way. Imagine that's true. I picture them feeling more like a dolphin. No, man. All right. Like well, again, I could be wrong. I'm not 100 percent on this, so maybe. All right. We're gonna like end this fucking podcast and just look at pictures of seals for an hour. We might. Yeah. And maybe the singer seal, because I've been oh kissed sure sure by kissed a rose. By a, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you know what we're probably gonna do is end this podcast and then go record bonus content for our patrons on Patreon. That's fair. Because that is the true passion of our lives. Out the second second one to this, I suppose. If you want to hear that shit talking about seals and yes. other marine mammal <laughs> life, probably what we'll talk about. Join Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can find us on there, and you have access to cool stuff. We're putting this movie to bed and this episode to bed because. The movie wasn't that great, and we're tired of talking about it. So you can find me at myself on social media. I don't know. I'm not on yeah, much sure. of it. Doesn't matter. You're Follow, on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Johnny Summers on Instagram. Johnny Manitoba on Twitter. But you can find Max. Where's what's all your Insta? It's all Max Minardi music. Cool. Yeah, it's Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook. But steer clear of Facebook. That's for my personal life. Yeah. Whatever. Fuck off. He doesn't want to be bothered. Uh, but more importantly, you can find the podcast at Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can email us with very long thoughts if you have them at fhccast at gmail.com. Like Johnny said, patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema is a way to support our podcast for as little as a dollar per month. If you want to set it to one episode per month, that would be fine. Um, lastly, well, I suppose I should say untapped in letterbox as well for beer and movies, respectively. And if you like us, rate us, review us on iTunes. That would be great. And if you didn't hear it at the beginning, um, we are covering a film called Alita Battle Angel uh, next Monday. It's going to be a fun, uh, again, hopefully fun popcorn movie that's hopefully better than than what we've done this week. I say hopefully one more time. Hopefully that's what it is. Hopefully I agree. Um, so go see that before next Monday. Uh, I believe it comes out on uh it's out now. Yeah. It's, it's out now. So go see it. Yep. Um, that's it, I think, right? Anything else you want to say? Seals have fur. And maybe they don't. Until next time, I'm Max Minardi. Seals have fur. That's Johnny. Goodbye. This is Fresh Hot Cinema.